Radio is a weekly podcast dedicated to delivering a slice of pop culture, served with a touch of je ne sais quoi, which I looked up last night, and I, I believe it means just something different. If you are a first-time listener to The Other Kind Radio, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're glad you're here. Sit back, relax, enjoy the show. If you're a repeat listener of The Other Kind Radio, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome back. I hope everybody had a good week. I hope everybody uh, was able to get what they needed done. And uh, I'm trying to get ready and prepare for next week. I think we have a time change next week. So that could be weird, right? Because that's still a thing. Everybody, someone forgets. That's like, you know, there's always that one person that's going to forget. Anyway, enough of that. My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. Todd is your other co-host, and he will be joining us shortly. This is episode 33, and in honor of episode 33, I looked up some fun facts about the number 33. Vinyl LP record albums play at 33 and a third revolutions per minute. Baseball's longest game was between the Rochester Red Wings and the Pawtucket Red Sox in April 1981. That game lasted 33 innings. The game took more than eight hours over two different days to complete. And the last fact about 33 is uh, definitely uh, aimed at my co-host. John Lennon's song Imagine beat two Beatles numbers, taking up honors in a UK radio poll for favorite song. The Beatles had 33 entries in the top 500 songs, followed by the Rolling Stones with 17 and U2 with 15. On today's show, we're going to have a joint effort of Todd's Take On and Jeff Judgment's On. We're going to both take a look at that big AAA title that landed this past week, Red Dead Redemption 2. On the center stage, we're going to focus mainly on Halloween. We're going to uh, talk about maybe a little bit of the history and talk about uh, what Halloween was like growing up and, and what it's like now. All right, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get Todd on the show here. I hear due to something with Powerball or Mega Millions or whatever, he's on a yacht somewhere in the Sea of Cortez. See if we can get him here. Todd, do you, do you copy? Hey, hey, hey. Oh. I'm having to row my, my yacht. It's not doesn't have a boat on a motor on it. I'm having to row it. Just hang on. Okay, I'm, why, in, I'm in a good place. Can you hear me now? That's, yes, that's why the yacht was so cheap. Yeah, no. I, I didn't win, and and somehow I ended up in the Sea of Cortez. I don't know what I did to get here. I just woke up. It. Did you do this to me? Right, the power of narrative. Can, you completely can, drugged me somehow. Put me in a little dinghy. <laughs> with a couple of oars and put me out here and called it a yacht. 
Speaking of uh, of drugs, oh. how are you? How are you doing with your arm? Give us an arm oh. update. Arm update. Arm update is great. I actually went to the surgeon uh, this past week. Had my three week update. He told me I was doing beautifully. Um, let's see, to go through the minutiae without getting into the minutiae, he told me that there was no way I was going to possibly do anything to damage the two muscles he had to stitch up with countless stitches. Um, the only thing that we're waiting on now, the reason we keep it in the sling for three more weeks, this I didn't know. When you reattach ligaments, you want scarring there. Those scars act as cement, sort of to hold all that together. So I'm kind of in that stage now. We're going to start a little physical therapy to keep the muscles from scarring, but you want the rest of it to scar. So there's your bit of sol- uh, shoulder. God, I can't talk that. Shoulder <laughs> information. My phone's going off for some reason. Um, oh, it's the screen notification, uh, the screen time uh, report that now you can get on your phone that tells you how long you st- stared at your screen the past week. I well, don't want to know that. I don't. I don't either, and I don't know why it does it at nine o'clock on a Sunday, but it does. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear things are better with your arm. Um, I thought you needed scarring just because you know some women are attracted to men with scars, you know, so you could kind of have those to to show off if you need to. I, I'm a short man. I could put scars <laughs> all over my body, and it would not attract another woman. I was lucky to get the one I married. <laughs> Welcome to the Other Kind Radio Self-Deprecation, episode 33. Oh, boy. Well, let's um, let's go ahead and use, well, since we're doing a joint one, we'll still uh, get that uh, get that projector going there, and uh, just because I love the sound of it. Of course, we all know it means that uh, it's time for Todd's take on. Todd, what's our take on this week? Well, you know, I feel very judgmental this week, so mm. will you come in and do Jeff's judgment with me? Yes. Okay, there we go. So this is a judge, judging take <laughs> on probably the biggest release of, I would say, easily the past couple of years. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any question. I think Fortnite, you know, you can say that may have been a massive success, but it wasn't about the initial release of it. Right. That being Red Dead Redemption 2, that came out, uh, let's see, would that have been Thursday or Friday? When did that hit? Generally, they hit on uh, Thursday at uh, eleven o'clock Central, but midnight Eastern. So you know. So so it, there, you're right. It hit hit a uh, Thursday. I was one of the people who pre-ordered and had already downloaded the game uh, m- probably months ago. I think when I actually when they opened it up and I actually downloaded it. So roughly around eleven o'clock, I was playing FIFA, which I am prone to play some FIFA. I got the new one from EA Vault, which. You know, to me, it's the new one, but it's if you're on the, a Vault subscriber, it's actually a year old. Oh, okay. I'm just going to say it. It's a great game. It's awesome. <laughs> so much so that I said when Red Dead Redemption popped up and said, it's ready to play, I went, you can wait. I'm playing some soccer. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, let me tell you, it's the smartest sports game in the world because they actually put a story in the sports game. Oh. You actually take one kid, and he's a teenager, and you kind of develop him through the games. And so every year it's another story about him and his family and all this, and and you mature him, and he goes on and has success. I was all wrapped up in that, but there was the announcement. So it came across at 11. But I think you had a different experience because you didn't pre-order it, correct? I, I did not. Um and for those listeners uh, that aren't familiar with the uh, the game, Red Dead Redemption came out with the Xbox 360. We touched on it a little bit last week. And um, basically, for those that, that 
played Grand Theft Auto, which again is a, considered an open sandbox type of game where you can do whatever you want. You can go wherever you want. You can do all kinds of crazy stuff. And if you want to follow the main story, you can, but there's also side missions and stuff like that. So, um, then of course, Grand Theft Auto had more of a, a you know gangster kind of related, a modern city, fast cars, machine guns, and rocket launchers, and that kind of stuff. And Red Dead Redemption came along. It was genius move by Rockstar because what they did was they took basically that type of gameplay and turned it into a western, where you played uh, the typical kind of tall, dark, and handsome stranger who would, you know, uh, make his way across the wastelands in the Southwest into Mexico and then, you know, uh, be a gunslinger. And he had a horse and all kinds of stuff. And he could go hunting. And it was also, uh, the first one had some really cool weather dynamics where if you started at the at a town at the base uh, of a mountain and then you made your way up the mountain, it would start snowing and stuff like that. So... I think between Red Dead Redemption being released, there have been at least two or three other um, Grand Theft Autos. So it's taken a long time for them to put this together. And um, so, yes, I got home. Uh, I traveled to Chicago this week. Speaking of which, it reminds me. Uh, Chicago, you do have some other kind radio business cards that were left in little areas around Chicago. So hopefully somebody finds another kind radio business card and decides to tune in. And if you do, feel free to drop us a line at info at theotherkindradio.com. I'd love to hear your story. And uh, so, yeah, I got home and immediately started downloading it. And um, what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of give uh, opening impressions. How many hours in do you think you are, Todd? Not not a ton. Um, <clears throat> it always takes me a while to ramp up into a game like this because you know, ultimately the, the play of the game is not that different from the first one. However, I found myself making stupid decisions when I screwed up on a mission. It said, you know, you see it go red and it tells you you kind of have to start over. I didn't see the little thing that says go to waypoint. I saw start mission over. Oh, no. And I hit it and I was like, OK, I'm so mad. I walked away for you know a good 12 hours. I was like, OK, I'm <laughs> so mad right now. But just this morning before we, we were playing, I, I set off uh, with one of my compadres, I guess is the best way to say it, to hunt down a bear. I went Ooh. along and we are going off into a mountain and we are tracking a bear. This game is so cool that to, to illuminate upon what Jeff said, it's when you're in these open sandbox type games, you are not betrothed into just one narrative. There are right. just almost infinite number of narratives. You meet people who are like, hey, could you help me get my kid? Hey, could you do this? Hey, here's the sheriff asking, Can, do you want to collect this bounty? Or your friend here now tells you let's go hunting and you use skills where it actually you'll see the trail you you have tracking skills and you'll see a trail and you follow it and get a clue and do these things it's just a massive game that is so stinking cool you never get bored with it because like i said there are so many different things to do in it so i think you are a little farther than me um i'm at the second camp uh, okay. once you survive the uh the snowstorm which kind of leads to my first judgment, which is, boy, that first hour and a half of the game seemed like it really took a long time because I wanted to get in and start running around. And often scenes you had to walk the pace as the other character. And even when you're on horseback, you had to kind of stay at their same pace. And I constantly found myself trying to get, you know, ahead or away or just try to do something different. And 
I understand that they have to, um, you know, teach you how to play the game. You got to know how to get on your horse and how to get off your horse and how to get your gun and how to get your weapon from your horse and da 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 da. But it did seem a little long, and it, I'm just now at the point where you get to your second camp, and I'm now starting to get to go run around and do what I want to do. Which the first thing I did was run and fall down a hill and almost die. So that was fun. <laughs> The other, the other thing I did, which I thought was pretty genius of the, the kind of game that Rockstar has created, I was running around on foot, um, and I hear this, you know, help, help, and, you know, another voice saying, shut up, shut up, and so I kind of went over to the hill and looked, and there was a stagecoach there, and I could see two guys that had the bags over their heads, you know, the early bad guy mask. And then the stagecoach guy with his hands up. And and the stagecoach guy's going, I told you, I don't have the key. And the guy's like, no, you're lying. We'll, you know, we'll just shoot you and, and take the key from you. So I decide to intervene. So I sneak up and take out the two baddies. And uh, then I, I'm kind of searching their bodies and doing stuff. And then, and then the stagecoach guy comes back and he goes like, thank you so much. You know, I really thought I was going to be in trouble. And I meant to... Their new system of, of um, interacting with with NPCs, non-playing characters, is to pull the trigger, you know, and you can pick what your response is and stuff. Well, I'm still learning that. And I clicked the wrong button and ended up hitting him across the face with my pistol. And, like, just, paw. And he, <laughs> he stumbles. And then he gets up and he's like, I'm having the worst day. And he, run, <laughs> and he runs off. And I'm like, wait. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh didn't mean to punch you in the face. And um then the other the only other thing that was kind of neat about that whole little story thing was, well, now I've got this stagecoach with this chest or whatever it is that I want what's in it now. And I approached it and says, Look, you need a lock picking kit or something like to do it. So to to get into the box. So I just pulled out my pistol and shot the lock and it opened. Oh, that's good to know. And I was like, wow, they really are thinking of everything, especially me being an idiot hitting the wrong bunch of, uh, button and pistol slapping this guy in the face right after I saved his life. It's, I laugh at you because I, do, I did the almost same thing when I finally came to the secondary camp and I took uh, some people into town with me and we got we rode all the way and we get to inside the town and i'm like oh i need to do something i hit the trigger button and i shot somebody in the town <laughs> boom dead it was like game you know scene over i was like oh crap. And i mean i shot him full in the heart and he just crumbled screen red and i was like oh well but you're right they, they do think of everything and i think what continues to blow me away with these people and, and i did not play the grand theft auto and i'm just you know quickly to digress i didn't play it because i tried it I, I just simply can't get into the gangster type thing when it's, right. I, you know, to be quite blunt, the use of the N word over and over and over. I was raised mm -hmm. to never use that word. Mm -hmm. And to me, it is, I, I, it just immediately pulls me out. I'm like, okay, I'm done. But with this one, at least, you know, there's a lot of cussing. There's a lot of blood and all this. At least you get in there and I, I can, I can latch on to these people. And I do think Westerns are romantic, but the, here's my point is that, what floors with me floors me with these games and you kind of alluded to the last one how it would change with the weather dynamics right is the the scale of these maps yes to be able to ride your horse and it doesn't stop
to reload a new map. You're just riding and riding, and you may go from flat plains to hills to mountains to a river valley that just has gorgeous water running through it. These guys, I don't understand why more people are not going, oh, look what they do. I want to do this too, because these games are just astounding. Amazing. Amazing. And I was just going to say the the opening scenes when you're in the snowstorm and then things clean out. I had the same thought. I was watching a, a streamer on Twitch. There's a moment where you kind of clear that really snowy mountain and you see the sun and the sun comes out. And I had the same reaction that the Twitch streamer had, which was I was like, oh, the sun, because, you know, everything before that is this horrible snowstorm and dark and gloomy and everything else. So they, they have excellent use of of, how, of the lighting and how the, the mood can change depending upon. The graphics are, are really amazing. Um, I like there is a button if you hold, I think, are you playing on, you're playing on the Xbox One X, right? Yes, I am. So if you hold the double, uh, there's the hamburger button, which is the three lines. I call that the hamburger button. And then the one that's the Windows one. If you hold that down, it goes into a cinematic view which automatically changes cameras and stuff like that. So on some of those things where you're just kind of riding with your team through these passes and everything, it'll take these great vistas of uh, and different angles of, of the mountains and everything, which I thought was amazing. I saw that last night when I was, uh, I won't tell you what the mission was, but I was chasing someone and I'd screwed it up three or four times before I figured out how to do it, but it kept going, hit this button to hit cinematic. I'm like, I'm not winning with this, so I can't do this on your cinematic. But I, the snow, too, for me, with the sun, oh. there was a moment where you come cresting in, and it's a blizzard, but the camera, naturally, the way you want to look, you have to pan down, and, and you almost look up, and he's going into, uh, there are, like, fir trees, and the sun is coming behind that oh, tree wow. with the blizzard across it, and it's, it's just this glow I, I said, screw it. I'm not going anywhere. I just looked at that yeah. image. Well, it's just, if you saw that in a movie, you know, and it does evoke films like The Revenant. Yeah. It's just beautiful. Um, and one of my other short stories I want to share with you that was another thing that was a little horrific, but uh, does show again the detail. So when we got to first of that second camp and I finally could do something on my own and I wasn't escorting somebody or following somebody, I went and... <clears throat> Um, grabbed my bow and arrow because I was going to do some hunting and I found some deer and I shot one of the deer um, but it wasn't a kill shot and so mm. as I'm walking up the deer's on the ground and as I'm walking up it's making I'm not going to hurt the kind listeners eardrums with what it was doing but it was making that real whiny cry thing and I got I, I got to the deer and the deer is trying to get up and it's like falling down. It's like something like just horrific. <laughs> I felt so awful, you know. Granted, it's a digital deer. Um, so immediately I drew my bow and then, you know, killed it, you know, with a headshot. So it would stop making that noise and flopping around and making me feel horrible for shooting a deer, you know. Um, but I thought what detail to have in there where if you don't hit it in the head, you maim it and it. It creates this horrible <laughs> what now is a horrible memory for me um you know of not getting able to hit hit my mark and take this uh the deer out quickly um i'm very excited to to get into it more and I, as you and i both know from red dead before you can spend six eight ten hours in this game and not even scratch the surface because the other thing rockstar is real big on are Easter eggs and just different hidden things. So 
you can spend, you know, a gaming session of three or four hours just simply wandering around and seeing what you find. Um, so I don't have much of the story development. Uh, I know that the premise is, is that you're part of a, one of the last gangs, outlaws, made up of a hodgepodge of social rejects and people with their own issues. And the way you get into your uh, tough situation in the snowstorm is that the Pinkertons are, are cha- chasing you and you're trying to get away. So I'm guessing um, and the way the gameplay goes you also have some very critical decisions that you can make at times to let people go or to kill people or to help people that build your reputation, which it will change the environment around uh, you, uh, even to the point where um, shaving and bathing can affect how your character is um, perceived by other non-playing characters. Yeah, that brings to to mind. I I have a simple question for you. When you play a game like this, do you tend to make your guy? Yes, he's a gangster, but do you make him a good person who's just a gangster, or do you make him an absolutely disgusting person? That's a, that's a real interesting question. Um, I on my first playthrough generally try to be me, mm-hmm. and so like there's one mission where you have to chase this guy down, and you finally find him, and he's on the ledge of a cliff. And you just make the choice. Do you kill him or do you pull him up? You know, and I, you know, unless I'm consciously making decisions to be chaotic evil, then I, you know, help him up and let him go. Now, I know in the end he may come back with his buddies and kick my butt or whatever. But, I mean, you saw my reaction to the deer. (laughs) I I generally try to be try to be good and play like I would if it if it were me. I, I, and the reason why I do that is some some players may get more of a fantasy uh, by playing way out of their element and doing things they would never do. Um, for me, I, I, I kind of save that for the second playthrough, and I like to kind of keep it close to home. I, I, I'm very much the same kind of player. I I think back on all of the instances, be it games like this or you know my love of Star Wars, or when I, even when I play a game there, I'm always the light side, the hero. And it's not that I want to be a hero, but like you, I'm like, I want to be me in this environment. And I'm not saying I'm a hero, but I want to be, if I saw somebody, like you said, in that mission, you see him hanging over the ledge, I would never let anybody fall. I would attempt to help them. Yeah. I want to see, I I guess to me, that's the allure of something like this. It almost goes to a show like Westworld. You know, if I Mm. stepped into something that is not really there, how would I exist in a world like that? And if I want to be evil, I would probably die because I'm not an evil person. I would go, oh, I just can't do it. And I I often do not go back and play the second time because I don't even want that experience of being horrible. Right. Now, I will tell you this, and there are some moments in the first Red Dead, and I'm sure there'll be some in this game, where if I see somebody harm or hurt someone else or do something really bad, and I'm part of the the group that's going to go hunt them down. That's different, and but but that's the beauty of the game is being able to weigh and make that like if this if this individual did something that really strikes home with me, and I find myself in that position where I could do one or the other, there'll be those times where they've in my mind crossed that line, and now I have to deliver justice. But it, I but think it, that's, I think that's a beautiful point, Jeff. I mean, it's, thank you. I mean, it's just you know you 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 do have your limits. So if it is somebody that's truly awful or evil, then you know they'll get what's coming to them. Um, 
so the graphics are great. We'll see what the storyline is. I'm glad that you're uh, getting some mobility back and able to uh, play around with it. But um, I'm, you know, just been when I'm not playing, often thinking about it and just wondering, you know, with the different uh, elements and surprises that are going to be in the game. And again, to all the the people that work so hard on it and put all that time and effort into it, you know, we're we're, we're thankful and uh, look forward to seeing what kind of misadventures we can get into while playing this game. And, and I want to throw this last thought in. Rockstar, I know you cannot get involved with Lucasfilm and all their games. So Lucasfilm, I want you to listen. I want you to find a developer. If there is one universe that is begging for an open sandbox game, it is the Star Wars universe. Can you imagine? Now, that is that is something that could be that, just massively compelling. You could be a scoundrel. You could be a Jedi. You could be a Sith. You could be all these kind of things. I want that world. I want to play in that. I, I just beg for that to finally happen. So they tried that, the but the but the guys that they used was uh, MMO, a massive multiplayer online, and that was Star Wars Galaxies. But it was also a very very flawed game in the way that it was put together and the, what you had to do to become a Jedi. Um, so actually, your your comment is very 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 valid because I think if they went back and talk to Rockstar or try to figure something out and actually had it built that way, I think you'd have a huge success uh, yes. on your hands to build a world where, you know, you possibly, if you go down a particular um, a particular path, you could end up being in the Millennium Falcon and hanging with Chewie and Han and, you know, going to do whatever you guys are going to do. I think that's great. And, I, and hopefully somebody will pick that up because they've got to see that the especially with all the Star Wars stuff that's going on now, that it would be pretty uh, pretty timely. And well, I, now that I've called for it, they will do it. There they, you go. Been, oh, crap, Todd wants it, so it'll be done. <laughs> all right. Okay, we'll put that projector back, and uh, thank everybody for, uh, for those non-gamers hanging with us as we uh, get into Red Dead Redemption 2 and talk a little bit about that. But today on Center Stage, we are going to talk about what's going to happen on Wednesday, which of course, 31st of October, Halloween. And Halloween is such a such a big event every year. I will start this conversation off by saying I am not the biggest fan of Halloween and have not been for some time. Um not I'm not against it. I just I've kind of got a meh when it comes to, you know, I don't get all excited when I know when it's around the corner. But I do know that it is a, you know, a big deal for a lot of different people. So I thought we would start out today by um, kind of looking at um, the origins of Halloween. And I'm on the History Channel page. And basically, um, Halloween originated in with the ancient uh, Celtic festival of Shamhain or, or Shamhain, when people would light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts. In the 8th century, Pope Gregory III designated November 1st as time to honor all saints. Soon, All Saints Day incorporating some of the traditions of uh, Samhain. Um, the evening before was known as All Hallows' Eve and later Halloween. And then over time, uh, it evolved into the day of activities like trick-or-treating and, and jack-o'-lanterns and stuff like that. And the area that this was actually um, kind of originated from 
was uh, an area that is now Ireland, the United Kingdom, and, Nor- and northern France. Uh, that's where this whole kind of movement got put together many, many, many years ago, um, which I guess they're saying like around 2,000 years ago uh, that it happened. And now it's, invo- now it's evolved into a uh, uh, huge money-making opportunity. I think I read a stat that was it's something like 30% of all candy purchased in a year is, is purchased for Halloween which is uh, uh, obviously has a ton of, of money associated to it. Um, so I have, this is a hollow, this is a holiday holiday uh, or, or social event that I've kind of fallen out of. Um, but I'm interested to hear Todd, what you, what your, your feelings of Halloween these days are. And if it's something that, uh, well, obviously having kids, you know, I guess it still makes a pretty big impact. Yeah. I, I, to that extent, I, I have a teenage daughter that still likes to dress up. She's very much me. She she kind of likes the macabre. She loves running around and having fun with it. Um, so from that perspective, you know, even as a teenager, she still likes to dress up. She likes to go out. We go to some friend's house and maybe have a little dinner while the kids go trick-or-treat. So that's always a fun event for us. But for me, I always really loved Halloween as a kid because, again, that sense of the macabre that just runs in me. I love scary movies. I love experiencing. It's almost like what we talked about with Red Dead. Um, I like being in a world that I can't be in. So like Red Dead, I, I can exist in a horror world and not be in danger. And I think that's actually part of the, probably the vicarious release of all horrors that we can be brought to the brink of death and not really go there so i love that environment i love things that are scary i love the lighting that you often see in horror type situations that backlit thing through smoke and it looks eerie and creepy and you don't know what's there so we still decorate quite a bit in the the yard we did not this year because of my arm we blew that off but my sweet wife goes and puts cute things in the yard and then i always put some backward kickers i i have two orange lights that blast on the house that make it look like it's on fire oh cool Uh, I just love stuff like that. I love, love, love it. Now, I also do have the cynicism to the extent where you talk about the candy. I look at every holiday, and it's just my cynical view of the world. And I think, oh, the truth is somebody needs to make money. And it, it is always, oh, here's a new, the latest mask. Oh, here's the latest decoration. Here's, you know, whatever. And so I get sick of that element, too. But I do like Halloween quite a bit. So let's 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 walk the kind listener through the early years of of. Uh, Todd and Jeff's Halloween ex- experience I mean, it generally starts where you can remember it elementary school. Do you remember uh, what a favorite costume or a particular costume or what you dressed up as way back in the day? You know, I, I the one that sticks with me and this goes to my mom being a very creative person and passing that on to me. She would never just say let's go buy a costume and let's make it and right. i became stressed with uh, obsessed with the original star trek and oh, really yeah and she helped me make a captain kirk outfit that you know i look back on it did it look screen accurate no but it looked great and i walked around and i had my tricorder on my belt and i had my phaser i i thought i was so cool so d- you had to make the noise for the tricorder when you when you pull it out isn't that what you're supposed to do? Well, yeah, I just didn't know if, like, you know, they had, like, used the AV time machine and, like, gone and got you one. Because I remember when those came out, the electronic ones, I think they were on in Sharper Image or something like that. I wanted one so bad because they were so, so cool. Um, I remember that, too. They they started coming out and they actually looked screen accurate. And 
I was too old to play with them, but they didn't <laughs> stop me from going in the store and going back to be a 10 year old little boy. So no, I had to make all the sounds and, and that was half the charm of sure. it. That when those become like that, it was, it was always the communicator for me. And so when we had flip phones, in fact, let's go back to flip phones. Let's get rid of smartphones. It's like Star Trek. Yes. You could do some cool moves with those. For me, so yeah, I'm sorry. For, no, no. For me, um, so there was one year I was a knight. And my mom had bought this like little prosthetic thing that you could put on your face and put fake blood on, you know, and it was this big scar. And I had like this armor that was made out of cardboard but covered with... Uh, uh, tinfoil and walked around and did that. That was fun. Uh, another year, one of my first years, I was, I, I got one of those plastic costumes that I'm sure later on we found out was made out of like the most flammable material in the world that pla that plastic. And I was Darth Vader one year. Mom got really creative and I was a frog, but she basically took a, uh, motorcycle helmet and kind of use that to create the overall shape and everything. That one was kind of a pain because everybody could see me, but I couldn't see them um, or what I look like, so to speak. Um, but I remember other very vivid things is the fake blood. Of course, you know, who doesn't just take a little taste of that? And it was kind of weird. But also the sheer pain and uh, days of healing back up by stuffing those stupid vampire teeth in your mouth that would just <laughs> rub your gums raw you know and it just you know you're just like oh this is the best thing in the world you know and it's just like it just felt like a somebody had taken some sandpaper to the inside of your mouth uh in doing that i i was i later as i got older i was always disappointed that you know then later they came out with the fangs that you can do they actually glue into your teeth that look much much cooler than uh than the other ones um that you'd have uh, one year, um, this was, uh, I think, in eighth grade, I was Teen Wolf. So I had, you know, this thick, dark, bushy hair, and we just, you know, basically puffed it out. And then mom glued hair to my hands and around my face and everything. And I had some Ray-Bans that I put on and a black jean jacket. That one was fun because nobody, nobody knew if it was me. I was hidden enough that it was kind of there's some anonymity that went with it. And that was kind of fun because everybody knew it was Teen Wolf. But, you know, they didn't know if it was me that was that was inside the costume. Yeah, you're you're bringing to mind that I still do get the thrill of dressing up because of my daughter. And to that extent where you're talking about all the cool new things, you know, she's always every one of our friends around here will always say Abby is such a different kid they don't mean that rude it's because she'll see a trend that's about to hit so like when harley quinn because of suicide squad became hip she saw because of me she saw the early images and she's like i want to be her for halloween well the cool <laughs> thing is is that my favorite one of my favorite classes when i got my film degree was actual makeup for film oh cool i loved that so she comes to me and says would you do my makeup i get to do her makeup then last year she wanted to be a zombie i think it was a cheerleader and she's like do you think you could make it look like me a zombie really me a zombie like they have in the movies well now you go out they have these guys and on the on the stuff you'll buy it says these guys that created this company were true screen uh makeup artists and so they had this one prosthetic last year that you actually glue on her neck and it looked like somebody had ripped the flesh with their Ooh, teeth lord 
And she's like, Daddy, please. And so it was really gruesome. People, when we got there, everybody's like, Oh my God, did Todd do that? And they're like, Abby's like, Yeah, isn't it cool? You got blood everywhere. But I love that. I just love that that creativity and having fun with things that don't exist in this world. You know, it's just so much fun. Well, and a lot of it's changed too because, you know, um, like now kids can't wear um, costumes with masks to school in some areas because of, yeah. of what's happened. Um, and then the other thing that's really changed was, you know, um, trick-or-treating. You know, back when we were doing it, you went to the neighborhood and you went to strangers' houses and you, you knocked on the door and said trick-or-treat and, and they gave you some candy. And I it didn't happen in the area where I grew up, but I remember towards the end of my trick-or-treating career was when the razor blades and other awful stuff started popping up and now uh, there are some neighborhoods that still do trick-or-treating but it's it's got to be a tight community there was even the movement of trick-or-treating at the mall where you would go to the stores and they would give you candy but to me it was and I understand times change but part of the the fun of the trick-or-treating experience was it was one of the few few times um, where, where we did it in New Mexico. There was just a row of houses, so we would get dropped off at the at the front of the block, and then you know be, they'd be waiting for us at the at the end of the block. And so it was one of the first times that you were, and I would go with my best buddy, but that you were alone. You weren't right there and had adults right there. Just so you would go and knock and do your thing. So there was the freedom of that. There was the Christmas of the uh, crispness of the air because it was fall and it was getting cool. So, you know, you had to uh, make sure you were dressed warm and, and could last out there. So, I mean, that that experience was was something that um, I wish could other kids could could, you know, appreciate or, or experience uh, to some extent. But if you talk to kids these days, they, they because they don't have that perspective, they, they're fine with the way it is now. Um, so has your daughter not been trick-or-treating for, for years now, or is she, well, we actually have a very different experience here for the first few years when we lived in the community we live in, we stay within our neighborhood and, uh, we would take her around and we knew at least enough people to understand and feel safe with it. And then as we got, as she got a little bit older, her her friends have all it's very odd the the majority of the people we hang around in our community live in a, a subdivision that is maybe half a mile mile from us and we all go over there and and so they you know because everybody knows somebody in that neighborhood they all feel pretty safe and so the kids go around especially now as teenagers they go house to house and some of these people have a lot of fun and something i'd love to do at some point there's one guy that actually sets up almost like a haunted house in front of his house and it's fun for the kids they come back all excited um the the one thing that kind of is odd to me now i the, i'm trying to say this and jeff's going to play the hoity-toity music on me but the, community, <laughs> the community i live in is at least nice enough to where they'll they'll have kid. we have kids come in that we know are not from the neighborhood and they just go by and take all the candy well yeah they, I, I don't care. I'm I'm a generous person. I'll look at like, here's some candy. What hits me now is that I actually had a little kid last year ago. Is that all? And I I what I'm pretty generous. I yeah. have two or three pieces of candy. He's like, is that all? And I'm like, do you want me to take it back? Yeah. My mother would have been mortified. Yeah. My mother would have popped me on the back of the head and take me up to the door and said, you apologize, young man, and give the candy back. 
Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the weirdness of it for me is that we have that. And then last year we, when we went, we left the candy on the front step. Um, and we happened to turn right back around. And when I came up, I was going back to the house cause I'd forgotten something. And there was a young girl and she literally was taking this bowl of candy and dumping it, the entirety yeah. of it in the bag. And I said, excuse me. She went, what? And I said, that's, it even says take a piece. Yeah. And she, well, I don't care. And I'm like, put it back. And I made her put it back. Wow. Well, it's my house. Put it back. I, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand not having the civility on that night. But at the same time, I know she was a kid and I wasn't quite that rude. I was like, sweetheart, you, you got to put that back or no one else is going to get it. But. Right. Right. Well, yeah. And there's a whole discussion we could get into on that. And, and, and you know, it's, that does make me sad. Cause that is a sad thing. Cause I mean, that was the other portion of going to the neighborhood where we knew everybody, because if I pulled some move like that, I mean, you know, they wouldn't, my mother would know almost immediately. And, and, and I think, yes, the free candy was great. And we did like, you know, the houses that gave like, there was one house that gave like toothbrushes, <laughs> and, you know, or, or candy corn, which I can't stand, you know, we'd rate the candy, um, you know, and, and even when we moved to Omaha, there's an area here called Regency that, uh, yes, yeah, we do, we do have a little bit of that up here. Yes. Okay. All right. Where they would hand out um, full candy bars. So, you know, normally you would get the little mini mounds or Snickers or whatever. Uh, in Regency, they would hand out like what you would buy at a convenience store. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and so that was kind of like a, but I was too old by then, but that was like the, one of the prime neighborhoods to go to. Um, and it is sad because to me, again, it wasn't so much the amount of the, of the a quantity. I thought we did pretty good. You, you know, your bag would get a little heavy and, and then immediately it was because I was such a hyperactive kid. It was then rationing the candy <laughs> And, uh, no, you can't eat all of that tonight. Uh, you know, you have to, uh, uh, have, you know, a little bit by a little bit, but those, those days were fun. And, and, uh, I'm glad that you, you're in a community that, um, has, has made that, uh, has extended the longevity of that. And, and it's something your daughter can enjoy and you can do as a family. Cause I think that's really the, the important part. So. And no, tell you what, it, that is, it, it's one of my favorite things with my kid is just that night. In fact, we've got to decide finally on her Halloween costume, go buy the stuff to put it together. We're at that point where uh, you know, she's a middle teen. So she it, it, procrastination yeah, what, is what, her middle name. What are we get, What are we going to be this year? Well, she honestly kind of wants to be Michael Myers from the Halloween film. Um, I, I am probably the worst parent in the whole world, but I showed her the original 1978 Halloween probably when she was about 10. <laughs> You know, and scared the bejesus out of her. But, you know, she just loves that kind of stuff. And that kind of trust you can build with a kid and being able to show them stuff like that. Because I remember there were very few things that my parents didn't allow me to see growing up. And one of them was The Shining. And I was in sixth grade. And I'm like, I want to see it. I want to see it. And finally, my mother was like, you know what it's about? It's about a father. They live in the mountains. He goes crazy and tries to chop up the family with an axe. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> because you weren't good. Right, right. Well, and eventually I ended up seeing, of course. But one of the great things when I was a kid that helped me survive those scary movies is, oh, well, that happened in a cornfield. We don't have any cornfields up here in, you know, high rolls, New Mexico. 
Um, that one happened in, you know, a hospital. Well, we, I don't live in a hospital, so I'm okay. But the cabin in the woods, even though it was like a big, huge hotel, but it was in the mountains with an ax and a dad that goes crazy. Then I was like, yeah, okay, that, that, that's a little too close. I'm going to go ahead and pass on that. But, uh, speaking of which we've, we've kind of talked about the history of Halloween. We've talked about, um, trick or treating, which is a huge part. Uh, and here in the last few minutes that we've got, let's go ahead and review. You were kind enough to look up on Variety.com the top 20 Halloween movies. Is that what I'm, am I reading that right? The the top 20 of the last 20 years. Oh, the, okay. The best, uh, the 20 best horror films from the last 20 years. So let's go through this and look at it and kind of get your, your play on it. So we'll start at, uh, are you ready to do that? Is that all right? Am I moving along too fast? Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to be quite honest. I do not agree with this list. Of course, of course. Of I'm kind of like some of them they put in here. I'm like, really, you put that in here? But we're we're going to give it a quick stab, and I won't go too deep into it. But what I want to do yeah. is I just want to set the table for the kind of listener that on Halloween doesn't have kids, but they want a little bit of a scare. I'm going to really we're going to read through it, but when I get to ones that I think are wonderful examples of having a good time with a scare i'm going to point that out is that fair absolutely absolutely and for those that maybe don't have a television um just you know uh open up some mail there's always uh, a little bit of shock once you go through your mail <laughs> look at maybe look at your cell phone bill and how every month mysteriously the taxes are different or there's this a little fee that can get pretty scary too all right so on to the list and i'm gonna just ring in and let you know if i've seen these which okay. We all know Jeff uh, doesn't like horror films, so I'm going to say that I probably haven't seen a lot of these. So we'll start at number 20, number 20, and that's the, oh. B- you want me to say it? Babadook? Babadook? Babadook. What? Babadook. The Badonkadonk. The Babadook. And this is, you can find this on Netflix, and this is one of the ones that I definitely, definitely, definitely want to say. If you're look, looking to be be a little jarred, watch this movie it's great it's an indie film uh real quickly uh let's see where i'm through here a mother who's widowed widowed in a car crash on the night she gave birth to her son who is now six the son is deeply troubled but not so nearly as his mother who's played by visions of a character out of a, a, one of his illustrated storybooks the babadook it comes the imagery they they reference here a famous german expression film called called uh, i think it's the night of dr caligari and I've seen that years and years ago, but if you ever get a chance to watch it, you'll go, oh, my God, countless films I've seen want to look like this. And this character looks like it's ripped from that. But this character is a little bit of a Jack the Ripper ghost type thing. And there are moments, in fact, I'm getting chills right now, <laughs> where the, the scares in it are so sublime that it's like, oh, my God. And I, I would just be like, that is freaky. And it takes a lot to give me the, oh, my God, that's freaky stuff in, in horror film. But this is a great indie horror film. Watch it. And it's it's ba- Babadook? Babadook. Babadook. I thought Babadook was like one of those things you needed to make your computer run. You know, you go in and, and you say, my computer's not running. And they go, well, it's because you're Babadook's. You know, every time you do one of those, <laughs> every time, what I do is I just sit back because I don't know where you're going. And I just wait to hear what you think it's going to be. Right. And that one didn't disappoint. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right, let's move on to 19. Uh, At least the one doesn't have a weird word in its title. And it's pretty straightforward. Number 19, Drag Me to Hell. It came out in 2009. Sam Raimi uh, directed who I think is a fantastic director. It's a lot of fun. If you're looking for something that's just kind of, 
that fun. I was trying to find another word, but it's fun. I, I, I don't think it belongs on the list. I don't think it's that great. And so for that, let's skip on to number 18. Came out in 2015 called The Witch. Uh, another indie film. This is one that I didn't love, but I think it's worth a, a, a view. If anything, go watch the trailer for it. The trailer will mess with your mind. They, they beautifully illustrate. This is sort of set back in the early New England days, and it says here that 1630s. And it, it basically, there's a witch in the woods. And one day, this little girl's playing with her infant, I think it's brother, and she's doing peekaboo. And the, the shots of this are wonderful. They're, they're those right into camera positive shots where all you see is the face, and she's going, I see you, I see you. And she covers her eyes each time. And one time when she pulls it away, the baby's gone. Oh. And it's like, and then everybody starts accusing her of things like this. But it, it, at the end, I, I don't like occult. I, I think occult things are silly. And it has a little bit of angle of that, obviously, the witch. So. It didn't resonate for me, but I think there are people out there. If you like things of the occult, this might just scare the pee out of you. All right. I have not seen that one. And I haven't seen our next one at 17, coming out in 2011. Oh, this is the second one. It's a human centipede, too. Yeah, I didn't see any of these. Um, There are times, and this is probably one of my failings as a film fanatic, when I read things and I hear, oh, that just come on are we really trying to go that far and i'll stay away from it but i have heard that the human centipede 2 is a pretty good disturbing film uh, I, I don't know anything about it so i'm a little surprised to see it on the list here as one of the best i didn't hear that but and you know what i'm gonna make i'm gonna make that my one to watch out of this because i do want to see it okay. i want to know why people are saying this on a 16 uh coming out in 2011 oh and i love how it's paranormal activity three <laughs> well the paranormal activity films really kind of go off of uh what blair witch did so beautifully which is found footage somebody's taken a lot of video footage and you put it together what i think paranormal activity does better than any of them is it becomes a conceit that this you know somebody at some point thinks they're in a haunted house and they decide to leave a camera on while they sleep and while they sleep the the sheets are suddenly pulled back or you'll see something crawling on the floor around yeah, Jeff got a shiver right then. You couldn't see it. But um, this one gets into really – they, they actually develop a story, and it's it's pretty interesting what the story is. It, it They are now on to, God, Paranormal Activity 12 or something. I don't wow. know. And I've seen all of them, and they pretty much suck from a certain point on, but this was a good one. If you like the idea of sort of a documentary-type style – horror film watch it. it it just might scare the pee out of you 2005 and 15th place takes us to a film that I, I have not seen but i've heard a little bit about uh the descent so this is one that i am putting high 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 on the list this is a very claustrophobic disturbing film it, it actually i never thought about it till today could be aligned with babadook in that this the the protagonist is a woman who's lost her family in a car wreck she goes spelunking with a group of women you know i I forget what the the expanse of time is from the car wreck to this but it's sort of to get herself back into life and while they're down there they're they are in the tightest of caves and they find out that there are the creepy looking humanoid monsters oh boy it's almost like a family who's dwelling down in there and so they'll be going around and they're in a dark cave and the, the light may come up and you'll see right above them there's somebody like hanging onto the rocks looking down and they're oh, all just boy. completely pasty white. It'll scare the snot out of you. Now, this is what I'm going to say. And I, I forget the company that this origin, our country, this originates from, 
find the original cut of the film. They did a American recut because, uh, you know, American filmmakers, uh, especially the studios, love to say, well, our audiences don't like it when this happens. So they reshot the ending. The reshot ending in the U.S. sucks. <laughs> Watch the original one. It's really good. All right. Boy, yeah, just hearing about these makes me like I, I, every every time you describe one of these, I get to my mom like, nah, I'm good. I, I'll be all right. I'll just I'll live vicariously through Todd. <laughs> all right, number fourteen, two thousand tens. Let me in again. I have I'm I'm zero for for five. I haven't seen any of these. So this is this is a oh I, I'm I'm also looking this because I want to get a I I should have looked ahead. Here it is. Um, this is a remake of a foreign film. And it's made by Matt Reeves, who beautifully directed the last two of the current Planet of the Apes films and is now set to direct the next Batman. He's a great director, but it's a, a young boy befriends a young female vampire who lives in secrecy with her garden. It's kids. Uh-huh. And this it's set in a very snowy environment. I, I want to say it was... Uh, it was like a Swedish film or something. And they, you're almost the original. You're out there in the cold and he's so removed from everything. He'll just go sit out in the cold by himself. And one day he's sitting on this big jungle gym. And this happens in both the original and, and this one, same story. He's sitting on the jungle gym thinking he's alone. And all of a sudden he looks over and without a sound, this little girl's beside him and she gets just like, hi. Oh, wow. And she goes on to tell him we can't ever be friends. And he's like, why? Well, I just can't. Well, you find out because she has a guardian who's going out and murdering people. Oh. Drain them of blood and bring it back to her so that she can live. And they live in secrecy and things like this. But it's his only friend. So it's this weird, beautiful story about that we can't ever be ourselves to the forward world, but we find a connection within. And it's, you know, for for a remake, this is pretty well done. I, I would suggest watching it. I would actually suggest... Um, watching the original which i believe is called let the right one in okay i thought they were pulling from my childhood when i would try and be friends with girls and they were like we can never be friends and i was like okay you know i keep telling you that every week and you still keep coming <laughs> on and talk, so. hey on to 13 and i've seen this one holy bajoli from 2018 a quiet place this is the film that I do believe we've talked about before that recently came out. John Krasinski directs it. It's really kind of a, and they even say it here. It's a weirdly, weirdly silent, goofy, uh, sinister B movie bang is what they call it. The whole conceit being that there are monsters in the world that have pretty much decimated the human population to survive. You must be quiet. Yeah. So this is almost a silent film, which intrigues me immediately because the moment you say you can't have dialogue, how do you show that? He Krasinski does a beautiful job of this. It's really a fun film. If you've not seen it, I think a lot of people probably have. It was a big <clears> success. <throat> Watch it. It's a lot of fun. They're going to make a sequel to it, of course. So get in on the, the, the boat right now and, and, and scare the snot out of yourself. And a not so quiet place. Yeah. Two, yeah. Wow, yeah. <laughs> um, number twelve, uh, Planet Terror. I've heard of this, but I don't. I've never seen it. Robert Rodriguez, who is one of my filmmaking heroes, because he's a legend with El Mariachi, that he sold his body to science and let them dig scoops out of his arms to raise seventy five hundred dollars to go make his first film, El Mariachi. Went on to become a great friend of Quentin Tarantino, and together they decided to emulate the old Grindhouse b-movie extravaganzas and this was his part of it this is what i love rodriguez and i will watch anything and i think he does great this does not belong on this list it's it's not up to the caliber of many of these other things it i 
for me, I don't skip anything when I love somebody like Rodriguez. Skip this one. Right. Number 11, uh, 1998, Ringu. This is the original film that The Ring was based on. Uh, Gore Verbinski, I think, was the director of The Ring. And it's basically, you watch this tape. It gets handed around and the oh. people in the tape come to get you kind of thing. It's it there. I, I think Verbinski's remake is a pretty good film. This original one, it, it is one of the most nerve wracking and disturbing things that I've probably participated in in the last 20 years. Definitely for me, too. If technology is brought into the, the, the scope as far as what is going wrong or how they are attacking you is extra creepy because I'm such a tech guy <laughs> yeah. that, you know, when you do the videotape and I think it's, if you watch the tape in seven days, you'll die. And, and yeah. yeah. Well, there've been a lot of those that really tap into those kind of things, but this original version of the story, you, once you watch it, you'll kind of say, Oh, I see why everybody else started right. doing this. It's a pretty good film. Right. All right. Let's go to 2010, uh, in 10th place insidious. This is by James Wan who, for me, I've never seen Insidious, I'm going to say it, but he did a, a film in 2013 called The Conjuring that for a long time was really one of my favorite ghost stories here of late. I thought he did beautiful work w making ghost, uh, the ghost story work. Um, and I said this when I talked about The Haunting of Hill House, which, again, I'll, I'll mention that. If you want to binge something on Halloween night, you won't be disappointed. It's beautifully uh, constructed. But in The Conjuring... He did what I said you almost have to, and that's to bring a level of sadness to the story for these things to work because ghosts are not interesting unless they have a story themselves. Otherwise, right. they're just devices to scare us. So, you know, I'm going to put this on my list, too, of things that I want to jump into. It's It's been there, and I've kind of always put it off. I think he's a pretty fun director, so I will definitely get into this one as well. Fantastic. Uh, ninth place from 2004, another movie I have seen, and I think it's brilliantly done, Shaun of the Dead. This to me, belongs at the top of the list. I right. love, 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 love this film. Uh, I will quickly tell that uh, with my one of my co-hosts from Men of the Apes, Sean, he called one day and said, hey, there's this new British film that's apparently been a big success. They're going to screen it tonight, and the stars of the film are going to be there. Do you want to go? So we went to see Shaun of the Dead with Edgar Wright and Nick Frost there. Cool. Uh, it was so much fun. It's hilarious. It's a send-up of the, of the classic zombie films, and just like anything that Mel Brooks ever did, when you send up something, when you when you play it for laughs, you have to have such a love for that genre yeah. to make it work. And what they do here is they make it work so beautifully that you get a bit of, oh, oh, scary stuff. But then you're laughing your butt off. And I will tell you this, you will go away from this going, did I just actually see a zombie romantic comedy? Right. And it's when at the end of it, you're almost like, oh, my God, that is the most brilliant directing because I never saw how what this story was really about. Beautifully done. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, the next one, number eight, came out again in 2018. And I heard mixed reviews on Hereditary. Uh, have you seen it? And what do you think? I did see it. I saw it in the, uh, the, th the cinema. Toni Collette is the star. She's a woman that... Basically, I'll just say that she has a very disturbed family. There's some wacky stuff. I did not like it again because I've already kind of touched on that I don't care for the occult and it has uh, tinges of that in it. Okay. However, I will say this. There is something so shocking in the middle of this film that the guy beside me 
literally, and, and Jeff, I'm sorry, you can beat me later. I've got to say what he said. He literally leaned forward and said, what the fuck? <laughs> and I mean, screamed it. And I was like, yeah, what he said. Yeah. And it's really well done. I just, when it gets into elements like that, I, I, again, you got to explain ghosts. You got to explain what's going on. I don't, that doesn't resonate with me. So you lose me at that point. Right. Good film. And if you like that, it, well worth a watch. It will scare the snot out of you. All right. And we move on to 2013's in seventh place, World War Z. I did see this. I'm going to jump ahead here real quick and just uh, and say ahead of time, n- wasn't a big fan. Did, did not particularly strike me in any way as a, uh, a good film. I did like the movie. However, this is based on a book by Max Brooks that is Mel Brooks' son. And the interesting thing about the book is it really should have been developed into a TV series because what it does is it looks, there's a zombie apocalypse and there's a a interviewer chapter to chapter. He speaks to a new person. Yeah. And it's just their perspective on it. Um, They you'll find if you know that book, in fact, I just finished it when I saw the movie, you will see, Oh, they do have that in there and they're here, the people, but they make it into a true narrative. It doesn't belong on this list. I think it's fun. Doesn't belong here at all. And 2007, uh, coming in sixth, Hostel Part 2. Now, the Hostel movies, if, if I remember correctly, are kind of like the Saw movies, which are, you know, individuals, right or wrong, kind of getting caught into situations and having uh, to make some decisions uh, and, and and deal with the consequences. Yeah, and this is Eli Roth, who has become kind of a, uh, you either love him or hate him. He's doing a, a series right now on AMC about the history of horror, and I love him for that because it's been a lot of fun. He talks to a lot of people who work in, in that genre. I've never seen any of the Hostile films because the Hostile films and the Saw films have created a term called torture porn, where really it's not about the scares, it's about how far can we go to torture someone, and that right. just that's not horror to me. Yeah. Instead, I find myself watching going, oh, how did they do that? Oh, okay, that's, you know, they did this. And I, I want to get to that point after I've loved a film so much, I've seen it 25 times, and I go, oh, my God, what they did here, you know. Right. I, it They don't work for me. I've never seen it, and I probably never will. And now we're hitting the top five, and in, in fifth place, um, I, I think I've seen this, and I'm surprised they're kind of calling it a horror film. It's the year 2000, and the movie is What Lies Beneath. This is by Robert Zemeckis, and it's it's a finely crafted ghost story. And even in the uh, Variety article here, it, it, it says flat out, it lists elements from Hitchcock films like Rear Window and uh, Suspicion. And it does. You can tell this was Zemeckis, who is a great director, saying, I want to get into this genre. It's fun. I don't think it belongs on this list at all. I, it, to me, it would be in the next 20. Yeah, or, or a thriller more than... These are horror films, right? Isn't that what well, the- I, I think that a lot of people equate ghost of any type ah, to horror. And okay. so I think that's what they're saying is, you know, to me, okay, you want a, a Hollywood version of a ghost story, what lies beneath might be good for you. It's not that scary, but <clears throat> okay. it has some chills in it. Because it also kind of makes me think about this next one we're going to talk about that came out in 1999, a huge deal, which was The Sixth Sense. So M. Night Shyamalan creates this that was a pop culture explosion people had to see it begging people don't tell them the secret and i won't we won't mention the secret here in case by some weird fate you were off in a village and didn't know what happened over the last 20 years but it it is a ghost story because very famously the little boy in it 
tells his psychologist, played by Bruce Willis, I see dead people. I see dead people. And I do think it belongs on this list. I think it's a masterfully done film. I think there are some true scares in this movie. Uh, one of the little, one of the ghosts he sees. In fact, the image we're looking at right now is the moment when that's pretty damn scary. Yeah. Um, again, ghost stories come in many flavors. I think that what you've got with Haunting of Hill House right now, where it's it's a family drama and a ghost thing, is very different from something like The Conjuring that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. So, it, again, what do you want? If you've not seen this film and if you don't know the twist, watch this film. Yeah. It's a very well made film. It's it does one of one of my favorite things in uh, a film which is where you get to the point where there's a problem and and part of the story is solving that problem which i kind of like too yeah um all right we've got uh three more we've moved on to number three which came out in 1999 which is the blair witch project and i remember leading up to this film spending hours on the website which you know back in 99 videos and different things were still kind of new when it came to creating con some content. And I thought leading up to the film, they did a great job of really kind of uh, putting me, the viewer, in a kind of an investigatory, uh, investigation kind of frame of mind where I was trying to piece some things together so I could be better informed when I went and watched the film. So I was one of those that, you know, a lot like you, I, I saw the, the marketing of it and the marketing was genius because they actually went in the back then we had the the message board type things and they yep. would actually go to different film message boards and said have you there'd be somebody posing have you heard about this thing where they found this film they're going to put it together it's called the blair ridge project some people went missing it's kind of cool yeah and they would leave a comment like that well people began to digest it and it began to disseminate out through this and eventually you you knew that this was marketing but it was genius because that plays into how the film plays this created a whole the whole found footage uh genre of horror films i personally loved the first one i remember going and seeing it and there's something to me that's so creepy about walking around in places where you can't see it but you hear right over here yeah or you hear a little kid laughing off in the distance and this one plays with that really well and to me the final image is one of those that i i love it burned into my mind mm -hmm. and i remember smiling and almost giggling when the film was over because like oh that's great mm-hmm so it's a lot of fun. If you if you like things like this and you've never seen it, go into it and just let yourself go. These, these are not polished actors. They're good actors. They're not polished actors. But if you let yourself go like that, you'll, you'll really enjoy it. I recommend that one as well. Uh, in second place, 1999, another uh, 99, a big year for horror films. Audition. I have not seen this. I, I know of this, and it's, it's one of those I've got to watch it. It's just never think of it but a, a widower takes an offer to screen girls at a special audition arranged for him by a friend to help him find a new wife the one he fancies is not who she appears to be after all so I, again i don't know a lot but the thing is, is that the asian horror genre has greatly influenced the films of the past 20 years you again go back to ringu and all these kind of things it's been there people are watching these and they're bringing it out so if you want to jump ahead and think about, wow, I want to see things that are really out there, give these a shot. Now, some of these, you are going to read some subtitles. So if that takes you out of it, right. then forget it. But for those of us in the world that don't mind subtitles, go for it. Or learn the language. Um, and that takes us to number one. Sure, we can do a little uh, drum roll. 
Also a recent movie, 2017, and one of the first horror films to earn itself an Oscar, Get Out. Get Out is, it's a well-made film. It is the story of a young man that gets involved with a young woman, has to go meet the family. And what happens is he of African-American descent gets there and African-Americans are kind of, oh, they're, they're secondary and they're in weird positions and it's very creepy. It's a lot of fun. I liked it. I didn't love it. I wanted to love it. Um, but it has elements of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is one of my all-time favorites. So I, I don't know what to tell you on this. To me, it's not the best film that I've right. seen in the last 20 years that's, that's horror, but it is what it is. So, you know, I, I, we've gone through this list. Jeff, you tell me what your, your thoughts are on Get Out. Um, you know, again, I think I need to look at what quantifies a horror film versus a thriller film. Horror to me is something that's going to have a lot of gore in it and stuff like that. But I think, um, to me, Get Out is much closer to a really good episode of The Twilight Zone. Where I agree. It, yeah, where it has just enough of weirdness and whatnot. And then at the end, when you kind of, you know, when you make the turn and understand what's going on, that is, that has parts of it that are gruesome. But to me, again, the main focus uh, of Get Out to me is putting me in an uncomfortable position psychologically uh, more so than than seeing a human centipede or something like that. And the last thing I kind of wanted to say, because I know we're, we've got to wrap things up, is I think one big movie that's missing out of here that I really liked was Cabin in the Woods. That's a horror film that has scary moments, but it has technology, which, which I like, and also um, kind of pulls the, the curtain back a little bit on what's going on with this cabin in the woods and what's making all these weird things happen. And, and so I kind of like the, the production play they pay, they make in that movie to what's, what's really behind the Jason's and the scary witches and creatures. Where do, where do they come from and, and why do they do what they do? And that movie kind of attempts to uh, explain that in their own way. And I really like that. So I would like to see cabin in the woods on here. Yeah, I, I liked Cabin in the Woods. Uh, it would not make my top 20. I liked it a lot. Uh, I, I guess the, for me, my pleasant surprise is to see the Babadook on here. It's such a small little film that it, it goes back again. When you do a haunting type film, you must have a level of sadness in it. And the sadness that pervades throughout that is then at least given a chance to breathe at the end, I think is... I already used this word before, but I'm going to say it again. It, that is a sublime treasure in that film. I love it. It scares me, but it also moves me. And I think the best ghost stories and horror stories can do that. Uh, I'm going to throw one film in here, and this sure. is not 20 years, but I just saw the new Halloween, and, and I think I alluded to not loving it. Go back. If you really, if you've never seen that film, please go back because this new film almost ruins everything about what that film should be. And it, it again, gets into this whole thing about the sadness or things that are unexplained that, that have to be there. When you get into horror films, when you have something like the shape that is Michael in those films that gets up mysteriously after being shot or vanishes, those of us that love the genre, that's what we love. Get out has those moments. Get out is a good film. It really does belong in a discussion of great films it just, if I'm telling somebody on Halloween night what to watch to scare you, it doesn't belong in this list. Right, right. 
All right. Well, that's that's a good review and 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 talk about Halloween and the history and then also personal experiences. Um, I wish you and your family a happy Halloween. I hope uh, you, you don't have any candy thievery happening because um, that always kind of, that's kind of a bummer. I know we're going to head over to my parents' neighborhood as they seem to have held on to that kind of tradition. So we're going to go uh, go over there and see what happens. So uh, happy! Ha- ha- I almost said happy Thanksgiving, happy Halloween. <laughs> Happy Thanks Halloween. Thanks Halloween. Right? Everybody's starting their hashtags up right now. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this edition of The Other Kind of Radio. For Todd and myself, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you're in Chicago and you find one of our The Other Kind Radio business cards, feel free to the other check us out on the web and send us an email. Love to hear the story. Um I want to thank Todd for taking time, even though he's injured, uh, for uh, with his arm, getting on here and doing this podcast. We really want to uh, continue to make sure we get these shows out on timely fashion. So thank you, Todd. Next week, uh, we'll figure out something, <laughs> what we're going to talk about. And then I'm off on some business. So we'll, uh, we'll try and get a couple episodes next week and uh, have you covered while I am out of town. Once again, thank you. On behalf of uh, Todd, myself, thank you for listening. We are The Other Kind Radio. The Other Kind Radio. Radio. The Other Kind Radio. Radio.